You're listening to Sex in Iceland with me, your host, Sikaduk, an Icelandic sexologist. Happy Pride! It is Pride here in Iceland. The week of Pride and I love it. I love Pride. See, I've gotten listener mail and as soon as you start spouting to me that homosexuality is a sin or you start talking about something that it should be banned or is bad or blah blah blah, that's where you lose me. That's where I'm like, well, if that's your belief, because I know people are like, oh, we need to respect each other's belief, but but no. You know, I'll respect it. I'll respect certain beliefs, but if you're like against people and their love for other people when it's two consenting adults, not sorry, can't respect that. So when it comes to being queer or gay or whatever label you fancy to use or not to use, totally up to you. I love pride. It's just like love is in the air. And I love when people go, when do straight people get to celebrate their love? They do. Everywhere. All the time. Mm-hmm. Think about that. I was um, flipping through some textbooks here in a school here in Iceland. And it was, I think it was in like social studies or something. And it was so funny. They're like, oh no, our textbooks, they're totally queer friendly here. See, we have a chapter on um, queer matters. So I was flipping through that book and it was like, man, woman, man, woman, man, woman, man, woman, queer chapter, man, man, woman, woman, man, woman. And then it was like, bam the rest of the book and I was like do you not see how this is problematic why is it just not as common to see a guy with a guy and a girl with a girl and why is it always like you know it's just so weird so you can go in a deep deep rabbit hole talking about it and it's necessary it is totally necessary but and also the one thing I've noticed here I don't know if teens do this in other parts of, especially the Western world. Like I've been, when I was traveling through India, um, it was quite common to see grown men holding hands. And that was like my first, at first glance. And I, I do realize I was quite ignorant. At first glance, I was like, wow, there's a lot of gay people here in India. Oh, look, all the men, they're so free. But I was like, where are all the women? Where are all the lesbians? But then I realized it's just like a friendly gesture, I think, between two hetero claiming guys, I guess. Well, anyway, um, so there's a there's a kind of a preface. There's a kind of a saying that um, teenage boys say here before they, like I don't, I don't know, are too chummy with their male friend. They usually go like no homo. So before they hug or if they say anything or compliment one another, it's like no homo. It, it usually is a preface or a, or like it's before it's something is said or a compliment is handed out, or it's after something is said or a compliment handed out. So it's like dude, cool shirt, no homo. It's like, what does that even mean? So they're like totally proclaiming to the world that they do not have a sexual or romantic interest in that personal guy and that they are not and will never be, in fact, homosexual. Like that is something terrible or horrible to be. Um, And I've been wondering a lot about this. And so I'm writing my um, fourth book, um, second novel. Yep, second novel. And it is connected to my first novel, which was published last year in 2018. It's, 
it's connected to that one, but this is still can be read independently. So you don't need to have read the first one to read this one. Mind you, they are in Icelandic, but I uh, of course have plans on translating them into other languages, and that's when I want them to be kind of, um, well, it, it kind of might sound creepy, but they're kind of siblings books. They're, they're kind of siblings, you know, even though they are about um, a boyfriend and girlfriend who end up breaking up. Spoiler alert. But, um, well, you kind of get that from the pages of the book anyway. Uh, and, and you don't have to really go in deep to get that they're about to break up or that something traumatic is going to happen. Anyway, so I'm right. So the first book was Vera's side. So it's her side of the story and her getting her first period and her being in love and discovering her vulva and clitoris and orgasming and talking about orgasms with her friends and pleasure and all that fun stuff. And now, and, and then she gets, you know, um, she meets Tade, who is like this guy she totally is madly and deeply in love with, and they get together, and it kind of doesn't go that well for the for those two so now I'm writing Tade's side of the story and like who is Tade you know because we got to know Vera but who is Tade so now I am really nose deep in penises and scrotums and just all matter related to penises really and what is totally interesting to me is that I have these two strong male characters in the book so they're Tade and his friend Robert and I have them talk a lot about you know various sexual issues but I have them kind of like going back and forth between being totally open raw and honest to being like dude no homo you know but it's almost it's like it's not them to say it but they almost feel like they need to say it just out of like context for everybody else which is weird so I've kind of been playing with the whole what are two guys allowed to explore because we know that guys explore a lot with their sexuality um, and sexual behavior with, amongst other men but it's it's almost this kind of a hush hush never talk about it um, It's and they're kind of always proclaiming you know this doesn't make me gay whereas I don't see that women have to have that preface as, uh, that that prefix is that what you say preface prefix Mwah, sorry they don't have to say that as much it's not like if you kiss your friend you have to be like no lesbo you know you can just kiss your friend and be totally fine with it and nobody is not is not really worried about labels with you but if you're a guy it's a whole different scenario and that i find very very interesting so um in this book about dade I have him and his friend talk about all these things that they experienced growing up and things that they kind of, you know, accidentally did together. But like, what does it mean? And can we talk about it? Why are we talking about it? Should we talk about it? But I mean, it's really uh, writing a book for all you out there who are thinking of writing a book. It's it's a weird, weird process. And I bet you a lot of writers say this. It's kind of like. It's, and, I, and I've seen these, I don't know, GIFs or graphs or whatever. I've seen these memes, yeah, memes. I've seen them on, on the internet, like the creative process. You know, you love your work, you think it's a stroke of genius, then you hate it, then you want to discard it, then you think it's a stroke of genius again, and then you'd want to burn it and never publish it. And it's this weird, weird rollercoaster ride that you're kind of on with... I don't know, it kind of almost feels like 
to me, as soon as I've written something, it almost feels like I didn't write it. So now I'm reading Tade. Just uh, my editor just uh, went through it and made a lot of comments, really, really good, beneficial comments. And fortunately, I have grown somewhat from my first book. So I don't take them personally. I don't take them to heart. Like, oh, I'm such a bad writer. I should never write anything. You know, I'm just like, oh yeah, those are really, really good pointers. I agree with most of them, not all of them, but most of them. And I'm like, yeah, okay, yeah, that's great. Yes, this will totally make the story better I'm so happy that somebody is actually criticizing and not just praising and be like it's awesome you know publish it because it does benefit greatly from having somebody with a sharp eye go through it and being like huh I wonder if this is what you meant or did you mean this or this or that or the context is not really clear or what if he says that or does this or does that so that's kind of the process I'm in right now I am around I think I'm done with like like a fourth so I have three, three, three fourths. Can you say that even to go through? But and I was just going through. Um, I was just reading about he has an incident with his penis, and so he starts talking to his friend about his penis, like wondering if it's okay or if it's going to be okay. And they're like, Should, "Do you want me to take a look at your penis?" And then the other guy's like, "What? Do guys even do that? Do we take a look at each other's penises?" And they're like, "Well, we're best of friends." So it's all these, I think, interesting scenarios, or at least I hope they're interesting. We'll see, I guess. And um, and it's really weird as well, you know. When you, when you get the feedback from the people who have read Vera, which are, you know, to be frank, almost exclusively from the lady kind, um, and their feedback has been very, very positive, like overwhelmingly positive. I've been so grateful. They're like, oh, you know, and it's really weird to toot your own horn. But it's been very positive. And so it's really weird when they send you messages on, on social media, like, oh, I can't wait for the next book. And you're like, oh, my God, what if it sucks? It's really weird, you know, you don't want to disappoint your readers. And it's really weird when they kind of praise past work and they're like, oh, it was so good. Can't wait for the new one. And you're kind of going, oh, my God, I hope it does not sting to high heaven. Because, you know, like reading your work, you're not even sure. Like, is it fun? Is it entertaining? Is it bullshit? Is it good enough? Is it deep enough? Do people understand it? Do they like it? Will they like it? Does it matter? What do I care? You know, it's... It's all these weird things, but um, I've actually managed to kind of disassociate myself from the books, you know, in a, in a, I don't know, weird kind of way, I guess. You know, they are, like, I did write them, but they're not, like, my, my worth is not in the books. So it's like people are asking you, like, how many copies did you sell? Like, your worth should be tied to the amount of copies you sell. And while, yes, it would be amazing to sell, like, a trillion copies and be translated into 32 languages and be published worldwide and be just, like, speaking engagements all over the world. My dream, my dream, my dream, throwing it out there. Um, it would be amazing. But... I also recognize that I want to influence the reader. Like I want this reader to have an intimate moment with my book and with the story, which kind of becomes this independent entity at some point, and be like, wow, I can really get lost in this, in this world or in this train of thought, or, or this echoes my own train of thought. To me, that's been like some of the best feedback that I've gotten is when people are saying, or when teens are saying, this this echoed what I've been thinking about, or I felt not, I felt less alone because there's obviously somebody out there who thinks a similar way as me, and it was so refreshing 
interesting to see how these people are, or the people in the book, how they are experiencing life. And I wish I had that, or I have that, and it's affirming. So, I mean, I, those moments, really, they are they're kind of like, they're not just a pat on the back, they're like a shoulder rub. You're like, oh, yeah, baby, I was doing good for the world. Well, you know, because it only takes one p- person to change the world, right? You have to believe that. So we go on this grueling journey that it is to write something and publish it. And like I didn't, I didn't um, submit my last book for any sort of uh, critique for the newspapers or stuff like that. I just, I didn't. Um, maybe I was, I, I was a bit tired when I published it. I'll admit that. I had a lot going on, but also I was kind of like, um, do I want to bother with it? Do I do I want to go there? Is my ego strong enough to handle if it doesn't it doesn't get bad it doesn't get good um, uh, good critiques? I, I don't know. So I kind of just like it feels like I'm selling it by myself. Like it's available. Uh, like my books are available in bookstores, but they're also a lot of the time it's just me selling them in lectures, and I think that's amazing because then I get really talked to readers and. Um, and especially parents, because I don't sell directly to teens. Um, that's like my ethical code. But um, there was this one mother who said that her daughter had gotten Vera for um, her Christmas gift. And she was like, hell to the no. Mm-mm. My daughter is not reading that filth all about orgasms. And they talk about fellatio and cunnilingus. And they talk about... I think there was no anal in the first book, but there certainly is some in the second book. Well, anyways, and she was like, no, when she got that, I immediately removed it. And I was like, I am returning this. No way, no how. And the girl was like, well, mom, aren't you being a bit of a hypocrite? I mean, you read Fifty Shades of Grey. Like, why can't I read Kinvera? And the mom was like, huh, hmm, well, let me pre-read this first. And she did, and she loved it. And she said this in a lecture. I was like, oh my God. She's like, I was so against it. But when I read it, I was like, oh my God, this is so important for all those girls out there and boys as well. But it's so important about putting up boundaries, about communication, about respect, respecting yourself, respecting others. And she was like, I was like, you need to read this. You will read this. And I've had parents go like, this will be available in my home and I am making it mandatory for everybody in my household to read it at least once and preferably on a regular basis. So I'm like, woohoo, woohoo. Um, yeah, but we'll see how that goes. I just, I don't know. I'm at this point that where I'm just like, I don't know. I just don't know. Well, it's, it's good because I haven't, re- I haven't read it now in like two months, so it's been kind of on the back burner. Well, it's been in editing and stuff, and you know, summer vacation. I'm going mad, hanging around with my kids, going utterly crazy in the coconut. But Lake School is upon us, and school starts next week. And I swear to you, I am going to toast. I'm going to have a really, really nice mimosa breakfast toast with like sourdough bread um, and my new jam on top that I made in Eirabaki from the rhubarb, the apples and the um, strawberry. I'm going to put that on the toast and I'm probably going to binge a couple of shows and I'm just going to enjoy the sound.
moment of silence, no children at home, nobody needing anything, me not needing to do anything for anyone, and I am gonna love it. And, you know, you with all those voices and thoughts and opinions, yes, yes, this is my reality. Yes, I am thankful for the life that I have, but sometimes I also get tired. I'm human. Guess what? So, what am I gonna go, go do now? <clears throat> now I am going to the city. I am going, or actually, I'm going to Kopor, I'm not going to Reykjavik. And I'm going to be recording with Normith. Sylvia and Eva are the hosts of Normith, which, are a po- which is a podcast in Icelandic here in Iceland. And they're really funny, amazing ladies. They come from the Dale Carnegie train of thought. So they're um, trainers or, or coaches, I think they use coaches, yeah. And, and it's crazy windy. They've like published some, um, some warnings to tourists who are traveling around Iceland. Like, do not pitch a tent. Do not drive on certain roads. It's crazy outside. It's sunny, but crazy. Like a rainbow, but crazy. Okay, so we are about to do a live podcast. Sorry about that. We're about to do a live podcast at the Hard Rock Cafe. It's going to be on the 1st of September. And we are going to let audience members submit questions, which we will be anonymously. Mm-hmm, I might add, which we will be answering live during the taping. Uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. And uh, so now we're going to shoot some promo stuff for that live taping and um, for some stuff and some stuff from for social media. And it's good, you know, I get away from the book for a little bit, go shoot some fun stuff, meet some fun, inspiring ladies, and then get back to the book stuff. Because... Um, August and September I know we're like almost halfway through August or one third I should say maybe Um, but August and September are just gonna be crazy I'm going to Nax which is the Nordic Association of Clinical Sexologists all the while not being a clinical sexologist but um, that's a conference that will be in Gothenburg from the I think 18th of September until the 21st and I have a poster presentation there and an abstract present like and and a proper oral presentation so I have two things there and um, and I need to get my shots I could need to get vaccinated for Mexico I'm even even today wearing my little Mexico thing that I bought on sale so it's only recently that sales have been really really good in Iceland so like I don't usually go to a lot of sales but I was on my way to the grocery store and they had this kind of you know clothes like outside of the store so it was on my way to the grocery store so they had this rack of clothes that were 500 kroner like 500 kroner that's um that's that's what three dollars american dollars it's like mm, probably like three euros or three pounds something like that even less maybe and i was like ooh, let me have a look-see and i know it's very unethical to buy cheap clothing but actually this wasn't super cheap clothing and it's a swedish company and they say it's ethically made and the um, linen is ethically sourced but so something that was supposed to be 7500 i actually got for 500 do you know how amazing that made me feel? Because I don't do a lot of clothes shopping and I find it really, you know, I find it really hard when new clothes shops are popping up all over the town, all over town or, you know, all the time and new labels. And it's just like, 
you know, all these pop-up gatherings have these t-shirts and people are selling their merch and stuff. And I get it. I get that it's so, so, I don't know, tempting to do your own t-shirt. And the margins on it are huge or can be huge. But do we really need another t-shirt in the world? Do we really need to be that, um, I don't know, consuming of water and resources and people's time and developing nations? And it feels weird to me. So ethically, I have a hard time buying new clothes. I do. But seeing as these clothes were about to be, I don't know, thrown out or something, I was like, okay, fine. I can buy these. But it's it, I'm really torn with all these things and I can I find myself like having a hard time going into shops and I would like to see more of um and this is my dream and I've said this I want to see an Airbnb for clothes so anyone listening out there who's like a entrepreneur like uh, Mark would say on Shark Tank if you need an idea I have plenty of them a plethora of ideas so here's one because I don't have time to execute it and you know it's not and I just I get ideas but I don't follow through if they don't pique my interest enough but this is something that I would want to do so I want somebody to invent like an Airbnb for clothes okay so hear me out you have all these clothes hanging in your wardrobe and some of them are like really expensive items and like for me sometimes I just need an outfit for one night and I don't want to go to the designer and like give me this outfit I don't want to have to buy it you know at full price but oh my lord how I would love to be able to rent it and your clothes, what are they doing? They're just hanging in the wa- hanging in your wardrobe, doing nothing. So you could take pictures of clothes. You set the um, you set the amount, and you figure out a mode of delivery. Either you know, if people are close to you, they can come pick it up, or they, you could have like a pickup place where you would pick that up and drop it off. Or one idea that I had: so you would always pick it up at the dry cleaners, so it'd be really you know nice and clean. So you would get like a dry cleaners to work with you. So you'd pick it up at the dry cleaners and you would drop it off at the dry cleaners. So you would always like you would get a fresh garment and you would get returned a fresh garment. What? Can you say business idea with me? What? What? Amazing. Yes, it is. So bam, that's out there. But now I got to go tape some stuff. And um, what, what else do I have going on this week? Um, well, obviously going to Pride on Saturday with my family and my kids and celebrating Pride and going to a queer sex ed on Wednesday, which Indiana is going to be um, con- conducting or facilitating, as they would say in Australia. And ooh, final shout out. Guess who emailed me? It was so cool. So, um, the people of Kelowna Pussy and, um, I remember, I don't remember the Willy. What's it? Willy, uh, I don't remember what it's called because I'm driving and I can't Google it. Um, Kelowna Willy, I guess. I've used both of their products. So I've made like a vulva cast and I've made a penis cast and it was so much fun. And it was so, like, it was so I'm not going to say lifelike, but it was so, like, accurate. Yes, it was accurate. You could see, like, everything. It was very cool. And actually what it, what we did was, is we did make chocolate. Um, they, we used them as chocolate molds. So we did, like, a huge penis and a Volvo chocolate. And we dusted them with um, some gold. It was 
amazing. But this was like, we did this seven years ago for a show. Yeah. So anyways, they contacted me and they are going to be sending me some promo stuff. Woohoohoo! Which works perfectly for my huge period um, related shenanigans that I will be hosting next year which I have I've talked a little bit about I think but not a whole lot because it's still being formed and it's going to be huge um, it's going to be it's going to be perfect for that perfect and I cannot wait to start I was also thinking you know if you should if we should make a couple of um, penises chocolate penises and maybe auction them them off for charity that was one of my thoughts well we'll see we'll see where it ends up and what i end up doing i'm super excited about it but in, until then my lovelies have some wonderful days and nights and hours and minutes and everything in between and um, spread some love in the world this concludes this week's episode of Sex in Iceland. You can find us wherever you want to listen to your podcast and on social media. I'm on Instagram and Facebook and on S-I-G-G-A-D-O-G-G dot com. That's sickaduck.com. See you guys later.